Hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Glow West podcast where we talk all about the wonderful world of sex, sexuality and the body and we try to have a little fun at it while we're at it because sex is silly and fun and ridiculous and that's what we like to see. So if you want to get in touch with the podcast the Twitter and DM is at Glow West podcast. You can also pop over to tortoiseshack.ie if you want to support the podcast or find other podcasts in the tortoiseshack network where we talk a lot about politics, culture and of course I am the sex podcast person. So today I'm talking about something that I really wanted to cover on the podcast for a long, long, long time because most of us have them and that is feet and we're talking about foot fetishism today, which is really interesting because it's such a massive world and there's so many different nuances within that little title. So it's going to be really interesting to talk today and I have the perfect guest for it. Today I'm talking to Clarity Mills, aka Dominic Clarity, who by day owns a tech consulting company doing M&A for multi-billion multinationals. But by night, she is a professional dominatrix, event hostess and sex educator. Originally from LA, Clarity has lived in over eight countries and traveled and played in many more and 2016 she moved her company her dog and herself to Dublin and has been an active member of the kink community she's also spent the better part of five years built in a, building up a lifestyle website which is called kinkify me set to launch in 2023 to serve as a global educational product and event hub for all things kink and she's also if that isn't enough she's also launching her new podcast through the kinkify university brand which is going to take the BS out of BDSM and it'll deep dive into the psychological origins of all things kink. And she's been featured on podcasts, TV shows, news articles and all sorts. And you can find Clarity at DominaClarity.com to catch up with her busy, busy life because she's doing so much stuff. So thanks, Clarity, for spending time in that really ridiculously busy schedule to talk to us. Hey, it's my pleasure, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, feet, I find absolutely fascinating. And speaking of someone who's just gotten foot tattoos like a few days ago, Ooh. this is excellent timing. In your spot. They, yeah, it was, it was sore. It was more annoying than sore because my feet keep, kept wanting to jump and twitch. And I was like, oh, please don't twitch with a needle because that makes for bad tattoo art. So... I'm healing. I'm getting there. Um, I'm just trying not to walk so much, which is not a bad thing as well. So foot stuff. Talk to me about the wonderful world of feet. Well, what do you do in relation to feet, first of all? Yeah, so like all kinks, I'm, I'm a kink educator, sex educator in general. So I either work with people and I will either play and arrange foot play sessions, foot play parties, or educate couples to play with each other's feet. Um, so I host a series of workshops on how to's, um, including foot play would be one of the biggest ones that comes up the most often. And I've been a professional dominatrix and sex educator for about 18 years now. Wow. Um, so yeah, long time. I'm very old. <laughs> <laughs> I started very young. Maybe that's it. But I'm an early, very <laughs> yeah, early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in your um, That's it. That's it. Just getting there. Um, so... I, you know, I've been in the kink scene for a long time and it's a, it's not only, uh, I'm not only an educator in the space, but it's also part of my lifestyle. And so, uh, over the years of practice and doing it the hard way, I've kind of become an expert on, on foot type of play and, and, uh, the foot fetish as a paraphilia. 
Okay, so that, that would keep you busy. There's a lot in that. What I love about the foot, foot stuff is it's so niche. Like, it's not people just into feet. Some of them are like, the foot has to be really clean. And others are like, no, it has to be really stinky. And others are like, it has to be in shoes. It has to be in boots. And I, I just love how people get to that point where they're like, this part of this specific fetish is what gets me off. I find that fascinating. Of, of Like, how do people get to that point? I mean, like all fantasies, fantasies tend to be very specific. So it's important to differentiate a couple of things when you talk about people's sexuality. There's sex dreams, which is like, you can't even map them. They're all over the place. And oftentimes people have sex dreams about their parents, their family members, et cetera. And they're profoundly disturbed by them. So we can't even talk about those. But when I talk about desire and fantasy, fantasy is that which you would wink to? It's that which gets you off. It's the idea of a thing. And they tend to be quite specific for people. And fantasy is informed by cultural influences. It's uh, informed by early childhood and life experience and personal preference in a way that we can't really map. It's sort of all over the map. Um, Desire is what people actually want to do. And there's an overlapping kink oftentimes between taking fantasy and turning it into desire and actioning it. And oftentimes with fantasies, they're quite taboo and maybe, or maybe they are things that you want to do in real life and the transition into the desire category, or sometimes they're just for the wank bank. They're not actually meant to, they're not, you're not, you have no intention of actually acting them out. And what I always say to people when I work with them is you can't judge fantasy, but you can, you know, deal with desire, especially if it's disturbs you or you want to redirect that energy elsewhere, but feet. You totally hit the nail on the head. There's a wide variety of foot type of play and desires out there and they feed from fantasy. So dirty feet, uh, you you hit on it. So uh, a clothed foot versus a naked foot versus long toes versus short toes. Like there's a um, client I worked with in the past who wanted me to pick up things with my toes, like, like pins, pencils, marbles, et cetera, and put them in his mouth, that kind of thing. And so it, it, it's, Feet is like the largest paraphilia in the world. Like it's our paraphilia, para being thing, philia being love in the Greek word. And so it's objectifying any part of a person's body or any part of the, or even inanimate objects and sexualizing them. And there's a couple of theories as to where that comes from when it comes to feet and how that fantasy evolves. And like, it goes back. I mean, and the funnier thing about, as a side note, the funnier thing about feet fetishes is they have depictions back in Mesopotamia of people doing foot play. Okay. Like it has been throughout our human history. Feet yeah. have always been in our psyche. And the funnier thing too is over human history, as we had STI epidemic, so syphilis in the 17th, you know, 16th and 17th century in the aristocracy, gonorrhea, HIV, et cetera, you would see a huge upsurge of literature, pornography, and popularity of feet when genitals became unsafe to play with. And that's culturally around the world. You can see that. Yeah, it's really interesting. So when you look at the, so the original theories, like as far as you know, uh, psychology goes, it goes back to Freud, of course. And <laughs> big surprise. He thought the foot was a replacement for a penis for the mother. Cause no, everything's a penis. Freud gets, thinking yeah. something was a penis substitute. Never. <laughs> I know. Never. Oh my I God. Know. I remember yeah, that. Pe- I moms did, and penises. Yeah. I did a, um, a H dip in psychoanalysis and it was literally like, Oh, everything's penis kind of thing. And the, the, the foot yeah. fetish was like, yeah, you crawl towards your mother and that you'd see the feet first like that's kind of yeah where that is I, yep, I mean 
Freud is good for some things and not good for others, which is a gross yeah. oversimplification of uh, Freudian psychoanalysis. But yeah, do you think that yeah. holds water? Is one of the first things we see? No, I don't think the penis, uh, mother doesn't have a penis, so this is a penis yeah. <laughs> in the Freud, in the Freudian psychology sense. What I do think, I what I have heard, so there's another theory, which is that in when as neonates are forming, they get sensation in their feet in, in utero before they get sensation in their genitals. And there's a theory that there's a wire cross for some people and they're actually erogenous zones um, that are where people's nerves are crossed, just like pleasure and pain, just like, you know, sadists and masochists. It's the same kind of thing with uh, foot fetishists. That's an interesting theory. It's difficult to prove, right? Yeah. You got to put somebody on fMRI and take blood draws and like, yeah, they're wired like, to be different. I mean, on the surface, it, it kind of sounds like that makes a lot of sense. And like, maybe you would need your feet first because you're like kicking about, like you don't need your genitals in the womb because you're not like, you're not even peeing or anything like that, but your feet are going to be moving. So kind of makes yeah. sense. Any, uh, I don't That's know what area you need to specialize in to get in touch with that. Some kind of gynecologist on steroids or something, but <laughs> yeah. right. some, some researcher ob gyne is going to help you yeah, do some in utero tests. So that, that is one of the theories. The other theory that I, you know, you mentioned it before. So it's a common scenario where, you know, parents are the sex love object. Babies can't differentiate. Mom's holding baby. The phone rings, the doorbell rings, and mom sets the baby down and the baby's upset because love is leaving. And the first thing they see is the mother re-entering the room and it's love returning. I, you know, how do we test that theory? Uh, the one thing I do like about that theory is that every foot fetishist I've ever met and the more extreme the fetish for them. In other words, it's the difference between kink and fetish is fetish. You have to do it to get off kink. You, it's a preference, like an extreme preference. Yeah, yeah. They get mixed up and in pop culture, the, but they are separate. They are separate. Yeah. So fetish is you absolutely have to do it in order to be able to reach a sexual climax of some variety. And kink is just, I like, I really like doing this. It definitely helps, but I don't have to. Mm. Um, so it's kind of the kink is underneath that umbrella. And then there's BDSM fetish, you know, paraphilies, et cetera. And so the theory, I like that theory that it's love returning because the more significant the fetish, and I've worked with a lot of fetishes, like hundreds, maybe, maybe like a thousand, like foot fetishes that I've met in my life, wow. is that there's always a story, like an origin story. <laughs> Cause I'm always curious when people get their preferences, like having somebody likes to suck toes while they're having sex in a vanilla context is like so common you can hear it in rap songs is <laughs> how much it's permeated pop culture um and you know quentin tarantino and oh like in God. his films everything Such a every fetishes. single one has a yeah what's yeah, that last man. one um the was it once upon a time in hollywood and the whole film is yeah. just like close-ups of feet and stuff and you're like Eat. yeah he's yeah. not shy about that no he's he's loud and proud let his freak flag fly <laughs> but um is that the more extreme the fetish is everybody tends to have stories. So one of the fetishists, one of the most extreme fetishists that I worked with where like, he did not care about the rest of my body. This was like just a vessel for my feet uh, and have the Victoria's secret supermodel of feet in the in the king world, not to brag, but he, in, he had the story where he was growing up, his single mom and his auntie helped co-raise him. And she would work in a hospital or something on her feet all day long. And she would come home and be like, honey, would you rub my feet? And like when he was young, from young childhood, you know, three, four, five years old. And that really, that image really stuck with him and it became the sign of love. And 
then you add in elements like a dirty foot or a foot stomping on something like cake or like eating food off of feet. It's another common one or dipping them in weird substances, jellies, goos, like it's always something sticky. Mm. Um, and that goes into like the taboo element, which is common in all fetish and all kink, which is that ta- we eroticize taboo because it, it, it elicits either anger, disgust, resentment or sadness and if you have any one of those extremes it actually tilts your body into a sympathetic nervous system response to cortisol adrenaline and just like crying you know when you're having a panic attack or something induces a parasympathetic where you're going back to dopamine oxytocin serotonin endorphins it's the same thing with sexualizing it's the reason why uh funerals are such sexy affairs is like grief anger sadness and disgust are easily sexualized because it's your body trying to calm itself down. So a dirty foot, you know, some people be like, yuck. And other people are like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the difference is what is, you know, we, we have this rule in the kink world, which is you don't yuck my yum. You know, then we don't kink shame each other for what we're into because everybody's got something. Um, yeah, and yeah. that disgust can be so no, but it's fascinating because like disgust is so prevalent, and it can come even mm. from people who are like homophobic. They're like, oh, two gay men together, oh yeah, sec, that's disgust. But like sometimes there's something underneath that as well. It's not just disgust. And like I'm writing about zombie porn and zombie dildos at the moment, and lots of people are like, oh, it's so disgusting. I'm like, well, clearly someone's getting it off. Yeah, yeah. dragon yeah. penises, yeah. testicle dildos, yeah. like tentacle. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah. Sorry, get, I'm getting my T's mixed up. My sexual body parts. <laughs> yeah, the there. tentacles are like the ones. That yeah. one that's like an orca penis, and it's like two scales, so it's you know like two meters long or something, wow. like a, like the whale. See, that's it. Like, <laughs> like who's using this? I love it. If it exists, someone is into it somewhere. That's absolutely, absolutely fascinating. And like I remember, um, have you seen Otto or Up with Dead People? Go back to the zombies here a little bit. So this is um a sec. It, uh, an overt sexy zombie film and there's a bit where the zombie fucks the holes in the body so as, as in like they yeah. take bites out of like a stomach sure. and then fuck the stomach mm-hmm. and you're you're kind of going oh my god it's uh, like that's designed to take every disgust box kind of going yeah. but like yeah. someone's getting off on it so totally. yeah we totally eroticize that disgust because to be we like doing what we're not supposed to be doing and there's a little bit of that too. There's a little bit of the cultural compliance, which is like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to be naughty, you know, don't touch it. Okay. I'm going to touch it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it goes back like in Shungus, like I collect like um, not originals. I wish I could afford them physical one day, uh, but Shunga, the, the, the uh, ancient Japanese, like sex scrolls. Right. So this is the dream of the fisherman's wife would be the most famous one, which is yeah, basically the, the original. Ten of and, yeah. Yeah. And so the story of it, like the Shunga were given as gifts uh, for aristocracy when they would get married and they were kind of, you know, there were scrolls with stories like comic books or a graphic novel to explain um, desire and what married life would be like. And so the dream of the fisherman's wife is where the fisherman goes out and his wife tells him this dream of the, t- the octopus, you know, consuming her. And the husband is super aroused by the wife telling the story. And again, this goes back to the disgust response, but also there's like lots of layers in that story, which is okay. You've got cuckolding. You got some cuckolding, something going on. <laughs> The octopus is cuckolding the husband, but then there is also a layer of disgust. It goes back into that, you know, um, 
it oftentimes in Japanese, like shunga and porn, there'll be like a, the maiden who's, oh no, take advantage of me. You know, kind of like gothic, you know, erotic. Are you reading about zombie erotic? Yeah. Like, oh no, take me. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's a trope that's like humans are really into, isn't it? Like that's like every Hollywood film that's you know westerns you got to save the damsel damsel in distress it's fairy tales like we like that approach absolutely yeah. so there's a lot of different layers to that fantasy and there's a lot of things that play there if you pack unpack them but definitely one of them is disgust and so it's the same thing with feet so you have a couple of things so you have like it is an erogenous zone feet are actually quite sensitive as you know you just got them tattooed oh it's yeah. the worst spot my heart like is a person covered know, in tattoos so yeah i risk hard relate but feet are very sensitive they have a lot of nerve endings in them um there's the disgust and the taboo element of it and then there's the kind of association of love returning and again I, I I do believe that there's some credibility that only anecdotally because everybody I've worked with the more again the more extreme the fetish they'll have some kind of story about mothers coming back into their lives and that sort of thing and and love returning to them and I, I do think that that is definitely a trend I see now. I'd love to study it actually and <laughs> let's do, do some research on it I know um, I wonder so if someone's doing their PhD on faux fetishes I hope so um, if someone definitely. is please send them my way oh my god I want to read that yes <laughs> yes I should troll and find out um so there's a lot at play and then there's different kinds of acts so like there's a whole reddit thread um about uh, foot fetishes in public and it's a little bit it's a little bit non-consenty because they'll take photos of women on subways or in public places and so there's there's lots of maneuvers like the dangle so when a woman's wearing a high heel and she hangs her foot after a long day she's sitting and crosses her legs and like the foot is hanging down there's like a whole I think there's multiple reddit threads just dedicated to the dangle and yeah. and they're like a whole group of like danglers there's also the like uh, what's it called the roll where you know a woman is rolling her foot out of her shoe and you can see the heel when you're standing in queue and you're kind of moving and there are a bunch of people taking non-consensual photos of other people's feet and putting threads like, and just, people are winking oh, to it i'm like just enjoy it don't take a photo because that's a whole next level of like but are, is that yeah. part of it like the fact that they enjoy the non-consensual nature of that it could be yeah I would say I would be surprised if that isn't a part of it that they're getting away with something and you know you talk about what harm is done it's like it's a, it's a photo of somebody's heel like you know definitely definitely consent violation but also like on the spectrum of consent violations is probably on the tamer side uh, not condoning okay. but you know so there's uh there's also you've been perfect uh, presence this before which is that there are different types of like foot tires so if you ever see fetish ballerina slippers oh yeah, yeah they're basically you can't you can't walk in them yeah. at all they're basically imagine yeah. like a point ballet shoe that are tied and then oftentimes your foot is locked into it and they're often made out of pvc latex leather etc yeah. we're like an eight um, inch or a ten inch heel or like it's oh like yeah something like you can't, you can't walk in to walk yeah it's a, it's absolutely impossible to walk it is purely for the aesthetic and that which i um enjoy uh because it's just it's purely cosmetic and then you also have in those when you bring in other materials like there's also material paraphilias like leather latex mm. etc the common ones and so you're mixing those two as well are like high heels or boots or very specific materials and you kind of look at it and like again everybody it's like a rainbow and i should i should say this before i continue which is that foot fetishes are pre predominantly male 
like 80, 90%. That's In my life, I've only two or three foot fetishes that are females. Women tend to be hands. Like I'm a hand person. I'm a hand, I have a hand paraphilia. Okay. Men's hand. I was going to say that earlier. Yeah. That like we haven't fetishized hands as much, but of course, like history is written by men. So if, it, if women were into it, obviously that's not going to be recorded as much, but you know, <laughs> yeah. they're going to record the, the foot part. That's fascinating. Well, if you read, and like, if you read like romance novels and like smut, you know, what are the smut pulp fiction books and stuff, it's like, he grabbed her with his strong masculine hands and you're like, oh, yeah. And she's been, and like a good forearm is is pretty appreciated around these parts like a nice rolled up sleeve and a forearm oh yeah yeah the man hands like shovels like I want to know that you can choke me (laughs) 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 no so it's so women tend to be more hands men tend to be more feet again it's less common body paraphilias are less common with women in general they have different types of fantasies which are more situational and uh social constructs so if you look at like all role play like all role play fantasies always have the same kind of common dynamics so it's three aspects it's forbidden relationship usually age difference and a imbalance of power dynamic so teacher student doctor yeah. patient jailer cop you know prisoner etc cetera, etc cetera. and they always have that kind of same common dynamic whereas and that tends to be more in the female when you're talking about uh female identifying individuals that tends to be more where the fan, their fantasy space lives and less on the paraphilia whereas the paraphilia is like disassociating the body part or whatever from the person like you know this right. doesn't exist it's just about the feet yeah. oftentimes and you'll see a lot of overlap between foot fetishes and other types of kinks so if somebody's a foot fetishist i'm going to assume that they're going to be a sub or a switch mostly not, like not all the time like there are quite a few top uh, dominant males that are into feet as well but uh generally speaking if you're foot fetishist you're going to have like the leanings towards a more submissive or a switch kind of uh, aspect and you'll also be likely into other types of kinks so if you're into a dirty foot then i'm going to assume you're into degradation humiliation a couple other things mm. not again not all the time but generally because it, if you can eroticize uh, something taboo that's because it's disgusting, then you can, there's, it's like licking a dirty foot clean is inherently submissive and it's inherently yeah, yeah. degrading. Yeah. So there's going to be a sexualization of, of, uh, and that would be probably one of the kinks for those people as well. Okay. And for those people then, like, is, do they separate the foot then? So is, are there some that are like, oh, just the toes or just the, the ball of the foot or whichever, like it, it's even yes. broken down even further into that part? Yes. Yes. Massively. So toes, you hit it on the head. Toes are a big one. Um, longer, shorter, stubby. Like there's an aesthetic that people have preferences to nail polish, no nail polish. Um, the bottom of the foot again, goes back to dirty, clean and that discussed kind of, um, Uh, eroticizing disgust and that's really common and then the heel um usually tends to be more voyeuristic it's not kind of like again the dangle and the roll and the seeing women in public revealing their feet to you um i was listening to a podcast actually of uh louise esme who's a great kink historian and she was talking about the new house of dragons uh the uh new hbo series which is the follow-on to game of thrones 
And Game of Thrones, if anybody's ever seen it, is like incest, like hardcore, like rape scenes, yeah. like just really intense. But people were freaking out because there was a very banal, like foot scene where a woman was displaying her feet to a to a man, and he was kind of t- gingerly touching himself, you know, very subtly. And people were of all the sex scenes that ever That's came up. Fascinating, because like, yeah, the incest <laughs> you would think was would be a much bigger taboo, considering or the rape, or the or, or the yeah. or the bestiality, or the all the other yeah. weird things that happened in that. Or like show. the cruelty, didn't they make your one? I haven't actually seen Game of Thrones spoiler because I'm just like that's a big commitment to get into. But like, I know the bit where they make <laughs> yeah. one of the characters walk naked through the streets, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But seem they seem to Shame. get off on that as opposed to view that as a massive violation or. I don't. I seem to be quite eroticized on that, but I never heard about the foot thing, and I suppose that speaks volumes because that was the most talked about show for like the past ten years or something. That's yeah, funny. yeah. So okay. of all of the scenes, people were the most disturbed by the foot fetish scene. It's like really, wow. and again, like you talk about if you looked at the list of celebrities who are head to feet, like it goes on. If you just Google it, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names, like. Sir Isaac Newton and Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley was insane about feet, especially his mother's feet. Unsurprising. Oh, well, he had and, issues. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's an understatement. With it's Elvis. a moment. Yeah. For but sure. That, or, I, you know, yeah. do we see that kind of transferring into things like OnlyFans has obviously exploded in the past that while you can make mm. like your custom content and stuff. So, whereas mainstream porn might have been like, oh, here's this content, you're going to consume it. Whereas now, uh, you know, uh, that kind of interface with OnlyFans, you, you can request that content a lot more. So I'd imagine there's a lot of OnlyFans foot stuff. Tons. Um, you know, if you go to Feetstagram, for example, so it's Instagram, but for feet fetishes, it's on, it's a, it's a, what is it? A channel within TikTok and every, every other thing. And because it's not overtly sexual and, and there's True. no genitals or violation it can make it onto all the age limited platforms like the tiktoks and stuff because they're like show photos of people picking up things with their feet rocking around a dream show and then no problem and there are millions upon millions of members to those sites you know the only i come from la originally in the home of the original home of porn uh, before the internet killed it and the only market that's still left in kind of porn is bespoke porn and most of the bespoke porn is kink and fetish related and most of that is feet related it's the only thing that's still sustaining kind of the um private porn market like with the major producers that used to do it back in the day before Pornhub and free you know Mm -hmm. porn killed everything and so it is more prevalent than ever and you hit the nail on the head with Instagram Patreon these other Instagram I'm gonna say OnlyFans Patreon these other private um sponsored channels which i'm a big fan of because you know give the money to the creator directly um and make it as safe and sane and consensual for people as possible but yeah it's it's absolutely huge i'd be curious actually to study and see which percentage of the of the OnlyFans channels are actually dedicated to they don't keep really good statistics on that because they're like we're not a porn platform (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. we're here to show like cookery lessons and stuff like that and you're like yeah for like 10 people the rest yeah. of everyone else is, is using it for other things like yeah but do you know what I didn't even realize was for mm. fetish content until actually Alex my colleague um at Active Consent um 
spoke to me about it it's the five minute craft thing where they're like you know making molds out of feet or they're you know and like the rest of us are going why are you making a shoe out of paper or something and really yeah, no it's yeah. someone it's just a sneaky way to get in because it's it's like you said earlier it's like there's lots of liquids and like they're pouring like glue or goop or some kind of liquidy Sensation. stuff yeah. onto it and yeah. that was fascinating because like at no point are they ever saying we're sexual but yeah they're clearly targeting that market. Absolutely. And, and you, once you become aware of it, you start to see like, I, like for me, cause I've been doing it so long and I, and I also really love it. I love foot play. I think it's one of my favorite types of play um, in the kink space. And you, the more you read about it, the more you kind of start to see it everywhere, like every Quentin Tarantino film. And that's like in your face, it's impossible, but you start to see it in like subtle ways and like advertisements and um, marketing, you know, targeted ads to individuals. Um, So yeah, you start to see it, it becomes more and more prevalent. Okay, um, I'm gonna have to watch more, TV with the more you wear of it, yeah. like every ad <laughs> exactly. break. Exactly. You just yeah, instead, of, instead of the penis-shaped eyes that uh, had, you can have such <laughs> yeah. every ad that, that break that I normally fast forward to. Now I'm gonna watch them all and be like, "Where's the feet? Like, we gotta gotta sort that out." <laughs> oh my gosh! Exactly. But that that's fascinating. And then, do you think it, does it tie into then the whole giantism thing, which I find absolutely fascinating and like crushing, obviously as well. So giantism is trampling a trampling. Yeah, yeah, when someone's like really small and tiny and they're getting squashed by a giant foot like that's assuming another spectrum of foot foot yeah absolutely so that's again goes back to the layers I would assume that somebody if you're in defeat you're likely going to be into trampling or some kind of sensation where you're feeling crushed and that actually goes to um a bondage basically a bondage fetish which is that you feel held and contained and overrun and powerless. And that's in essence that that is at the core, that is what is at the core of all kink is power exchange and energy exchange. Mm. That is literally fill in the blank activity. doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. That's, that's the game that's in it between um, the people who play with each other is, is that power exchange. And so feeling small and helpless and feeling overwhelmed or feeling crushed. And there's also something really comforting about, you know, like mummification bags or, I have uh, vac beds and um, vac cubes and all kinds of things, which absolutely, you know, freeze people in place like Han Solo frozen in carbonite. <laughs> and, and it's a really great, it's a like people either it's, there's one of two people they either love it or they hate it. There's no in between. It's like tickling. Tickling's another massive yeah, kink yeah, yeah. and people either love it or they hate it. There's no in between. And, and so trampling is another one, which is it's since it's sensory play, right? It's sensory play plus bondage plus the feet paraphilia. So uh, again, all of these would be under a constellation of kinks that I would assume a lot of foot fetishists are into. Every now and then you'll find somebody who just purely likes feet. They want to have vanilla sex. They don't really have any other kinks, but feet is it for them. But it is the, it is the number one um, paraphilia in the world. So they estimate based on the last studies like Justin Lee Miller and the Kinsey Institute and so forth. And they extrapolated the data is that about 20% of the 20 to 30% of the world are active in kink in some way in their own personal lives and like actively do it. Another 30% on top of that fantasize about it or wink to like, you know, feeds to gram or whatever, that sort of thing. And so you look at, and then of the, after the number one kink in the world is DS. So domination submission, but then after that feats number two. So you're assuming like 
millions, hundreds of millions of people are into this globally. It is so prevalent. And that's, and that's culturally everywhere too. And the funny thing is though, like I lived in Asia, I lived in um, Hong Kong and China in the past. And so I used to play and work there as well. And in Middle Eastern and Asian cultures, wearing your shoes inside the house is, is very taboo. They have sandals or whatever people wear when they come up slippers that when they go over to another person's house, because feet are considered to be incredibly dirty. So in those cultures, especially Japanese culture, foot fetishism is way higher, way more prevalent because again, the taboo nature of feet is much more culturally significant there than would be in the West where, you know, we wear our shoes inside the house. Yeah. Oh, I'm a shoe off household because it's just, you're just bringing in (laughs) dirt. Like it doesn't. doesn't Yeah, no, it's better. It's way better. uh, Lots of studies about how it's healthier. Yeah. yeah. Does that link back in then to like the Japanese art of like foot binding? Like that was incredibly common and especially viewed as like, you know, really important for the upper classes to do. And they were really quite, you know, really deformed. Like they were tiny, tiny, like size one feet because they were so wrapped up and, you know, deformed kind of. Yeah. So they called them the gold, the, so it's Chinese tradition. Um, and they called it the golden Lotus foot. So there was an emperor who had at the time, <laughs> what we would call today was a very big foot fetishist, but saw a play with a woman dancing and she had the tiniest feet he ever saw. And it kicked off a whole trend. And the last golden Lotus shoe company. So golden Lotus was a foot it was defined as a foot that was smaller than believe it's like seven centimeters or five centimeters in length which is tiny that's That's a child's foot right that's a baby foot yeah that's not even like like your hand really like your hand would probably be bigger than that and so that was the golden lotus and they had silver lotus bronze whatever other types of names for like larger foots and they would so they break the bones they bind them they start this process usually around five or six years old right when the foot is approximately almost to the right size and then they break it and they wrap it. And the last shoe company uh, in China that made shoes for these women closed in the nineties, I believe late nineties. Wow. So this is a practice in China up until again, the nineties um, for centuries. And it is without, <laughs> obviously terrible for the body creates all kinds of other problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it was practiced throughout time. And if you look at other kinds of body modification that's done in a lot of different cultures, this one was probably one of the longest running ones called like hundreds and hundreds of years that it had been, that it had been practiced. And it's the only one that I can think of to mind that's actually very foot specific and foot fetish specific. And it all started with a single emperor who had a thing for a little thing that's some some power <laughs> you have to be inspiring yeah. like everyone with your yeah. with your foot stuff and um, with that I can imagine then like like where does shame sit with that because a lot of people struggle with shame when it comes to their sexuality because we live in messed up societies that shame people for wanting to have pleasure but like yeah. like you said with the dirt and everything else like do uh, but considering how large the number is that people are into it like where does shame sit in that or perhaps they're like more free from shame and that's why there's higher numbers who are enjoying it like where where do we go with that bit yeah that's a great question so shame is the birthplace of a lot of kinks and the reason why is because shame is a like extreme levels of shame is 
a psychosexual interruption during your match during your psychosexual maturation process a huge amount of shame or a trauma it's like i basically say people's sexual identities as you as you well know like form during like their formative years now they like they evolve throughout our lifetimes right our tastes and so forth evolve as we get new stimuli and new information new experiences but the core of our desires especially kinks are are really really from childhood or younger age and so i kind of make the analogy that you know our sexual uh, erotic narrative is like a record and the records being poured you know from childhood to the end of puberty basically and every time you have a shame experience it's like a scratch in the record so every time you put the needle on to play the record God, I'm so old. I'm making final record reference. It's, it's come back in now. It's, it's come back it's in. You true. can get okay. like Taylor Swift records now. So we're okay. <laughs> we're good. We're good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So every time you put the needle on to play the record, it's going to skip on that track every single time. And the deeper the groove, that's the difference between a kink and a fetish. The, the deeper the groove, it has to hit it every single time. It can't continue to play the track unless it hits that groove. And shame is basically a huge source of that groove. So if you look at so many different kinks, Shame is at the root cause of it. So cuckolding, uh, uh, SPH, I'm sorry, I should explain it. So small penis humiliation, cuckolding, um, in some cases, feet where you were forced to do things to your mate's foot or something as a young age, and it was a formative experience and you felt a huge amount of shame and then you roticize it later. Because again, it goes back to what I said previously, disgust, shame, grief, any of these extreme emotions are really triggering for us, especially as young people. And so in order to self-soothe, we sexualize it. It's a way to self-soothe. It's a way for the mind to work out. The trauma is a way for the mind to work out and complete the story and the narrative. And it's, it makes total sense that we would eroticize it. So I have seen that it does seem to be less common with foot fetishes. And what I mean by that is that there's oftentimes there's less of a shame story behind it. So if I met like a lot of men who are into cuckolding, for example, or uh, small penis humiliation, those sorts of things, like they were teased by their brothers or their, or their flatmates or their, or their football team or whatever. And they were shamed for their body. And they also grew up in like a toxic masculine kind of culture. Very oftentimes with feet, most of the stories I hear about love returning and the only shame is not, in the origin of the kink, but in adulthood that they're into it, they're ashamed that they're into it, but because it's so, so prevalent now, I've seen that decreasing, especially with Gen Z, like the young folks are shameless. They're great. They're shame-free. They're changing the world. (laughs) So fab. Yeah. They're great. Yeah, that's fascinating. I really loved that that record and groove analogy. I think that's that's a really great way of of understanding that and and how it changes. That's and but do you think you know like so you mentioned the small penis thing? Like we do live in um a world that's all about like the BDE and you know to be good at sex you got to have a big dick and you're like oh that's so wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like there's way more to sex than having a big penis. Like and lots of people don't even like that. But then when it comes to feet. It's, it's kind of, where does that sit in that cultural dynamic? I know we have Quentin Tarantino and stuff, but like now, as you said, in Gen Z world, is it just like if you went up to someone and were like, oh, yeah, I have a foot thing, like people would be like, cool, yeah, whatever. Whereas the small penis thing might still have more shame and stuff around it. Totally. And that's the origin of like, that's the origin of the kink is in shame, right? You in like degradation, humiliation, you were shamed as, as a young person 
100% of the time. I've never met anybody that hasn't been, uh, that has that kink. And then again, the more intense the kink, the more intense, like the bullying or whatever the experience was. Um, which is why I think this is why I'm such a huge advocate of kink is because I'm a big advocate for people taking care of their mental health. I'm not a medical practitioner or mental health professional, but I'm a huge advocate for people seeking out mental health. And I think that kink can help people work through a lot of these kind of hangups that they've had in ways that therapy legally can't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Very different. Um, Very different. Yeah. Different, different modalities. It's just a tool in the tool belt, like anything else. And it's fun. Um, if you're doing it right, safe and consensually. Um, well then if someone was to come, come to you and be like, look, I have this fetish, maybe it's the first time they've ever spoken about it. Like, what is Mm. the process for that? Like, do you talk to them about it and try and uncover it? Or are you just like, I'll get the honey out or whatever, (laughs) whatever you're putting on. (laughs) I'll get the vacuum get cleaner, the or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot of props, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. I have about 25,000 quid worth of gear, which is oh, wow. um, not <laughs> sad because I want more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, it's not enough. It's not enough. You know, kink, kink care does tend to be quite pricey. Um, no. So I, when I, whenever I play with people, I always meet them for a coffee first and have a chat about what's there for them. What's the core of the eroticism, what are their motivators, what they want to get out of it. And my job is always to engineer my obsolescence. Like I want to pull myself out. So like, I don't want to be a drug dealer, you know, and get them hooked on me or something. I want them to be able to take the skills that I give them and take them into their personal life with their significant others or other people and basically break the stigma and the shame cycle that they might be in. And I'm the first person to be like, you are normal is the most normal thing in the world and this is how you do it so usually um like all things i i say with all things kink it's like salt to sugar like it's salt to sugar like you have caramel amazing but then you have salted caramel you're not eating you're not adding salt to it so the thing tastes salty you're adding salt because it heightens the experience of the sweet and kink is kind of the same way, but you always start with the least amount of intervention and go to the most minimum viable <laughs> solution to maximum effort. And you start slow because you can always add more, but once you do too much, it's hard to take that. It's hard to unring the bell once you've done too much. Mm-hmm. So usually I have like the beginner intermediate expert and we basically just go through and try a bunch of different things. And I was like, okay, is it toes? Is it feet? Is it what? We don't know let's do it all. So it, you know, it's, uh, start usually with like foot worship, which on the, like inner, the beginner side would be a, a foot rub. Who doesn't love that? Mm-hmm. And on the fine, like on, on the ex, you know, intermediate expert side, it's, it's a full like foot job and like foot and mouth and putting food and things on it. And they're having to no, eat wait, it off. And, to, to clarify yeah. here. So would yeah. they be wanting you to do that to their feet or wanting to do it to your feet or probably a mixture? Oh, it would always be, I would always be the, uh, it would always be my feet that would okay. be doing okay. yeah. That would be the receivers okay. <laughs> in this case. Okay. Yeah. And they would be the givers. They would be the ones doing it. Yeah. Um, I haven't. Well, that's the other interesting thing is that now you're making me think. Most foot fetishists don't like their own feet played with. That's fascinating. Not into it. It's a one way. It's one way direction. Yeah. It's giving only not receiving. Wow. They actually, they're not into it at all. And again, the more extreme foot fetishists, not only do they not, um, want to reciprocate they don't want to reciprocate in any kind whatsoever like it's not like here let me touch your genitals let me touch you and some of the kind of they're like no just the feet me and the feet 
get out of the conversation. You're, you're interrupting me. You know, like I am literally just the vessel for these babies. Like, I mean, they, they know what they like. So yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Wow. Oh, that's, that's food for thought. Cause that's, yeah, that's fascinating. Okay. 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 So then, so they're asking you to do all this and so like, how do they feel afterwards? If it's, especially if it's like their first time, is the shame starting to creep back in or are they feeling a bit more liberated? That's a great question. So you're talking about what we would call in our parlance sub drop, right? Which is that this, when the shame comes creeping back in. So there's a uh, subspace and dom space and there's sub drop and top drop. And uh, basically during a really good scene, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be tickling somebody, it could be playing with feet, you could be whipping somebody bloody. It does not matter what you're doing. So assuming it's consensual and everybody's having a great time. At the end of it, the whole purpose of kink in general is to get you to a parasympathetic nervous system response. So your body's pumping dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. And that is neurochemically what we call subspace. Um, you are feeling great. It is like the closest thing for people who never experienced it would be like a runner's high, mm. or I get it after many hours of tattooing. And what it is, is it's a um, self-preservation technique. So the mind after a certain amount of physical or mental endurance, pain or intellectual endurance in order to protect itself, in order to protect the psyche, will start to pump out these chemicals to protect the mind itself. So after a certain level of torture or it could be verbal, it doesn't have to be physical whatsoever, but after a certain amount of endurance, the mind will start to produce these chemicals. And so people who are really good at doing what I do basically try and thread that line as close as possible to get people into that space. And then and that basically, so if you were to chart out like a 90 minute session, you would do somebody it would be here, climax, then drop them plateau. Right. Which is how a lot of like, kind of like masters and Johnson, if you look at the sexual graph, it looks pretty similar. Kink and kink sessions are the same way. But if you, one of the things that we always advocate for, um, especially professionals is aftercare, because mm. after you have this surge of really great, you know, uh, feel good neurochemicals coming in there's always the drop and the drop is again, if you, anybody's taken ecstasy, you know, MDMA, Molly, something like that, you have the highs. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm a little bit serotonin depleted. And it's the same kind of way. And then that's when the shame and everything else comes and runs back in. And so the antidote for that is aftercare and really good aftercare. And that can look like a cup of tea. It can look like a hug. It can look like you can text me anytime and tell me how you feel, which is the thing I do with all my clients is like, Hey, I'm here. It's not like, get out the door, give me your money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Not what I want. <laughs> there's always a, like, a, yeah, exactly. There's always a custody of care and it's my responsibility to ensure that they have a great time. Um, not just whilst we're together, but afterwards too. And that is a really common experience and aftercare is the antidote for it. I don't think foot fetishes have it more or less than any other kink. Um, but it definitely in every type of play that you do in this space, it's, it, it's a part of the structure. So it's the negotiation, the play, the aftercare. Those are the three parts, the three acts of the play. And uh, the aftercare is essential. And anybody who advocates against it is just wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. I'll take them on. Might, it might be a warning <laughs> sign if, if someone's like looking to get into this and they're not mentioning oh, yeah. aftercare, that might be a bit of a red flag to kind of... Yeah, if they, if they don't want to talk negotiation and they don't want to talk aftercare, stay away. 
yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, sex isn't just sex. Like, there's so much psychological stuff behind it. And that's why it's it's nice to, like, think about it. Because it's not physical. It's emotional a lot of the time for people. and um, mm. Or, like, about recovery and all that kind of thing as well. So there's there's lots in it. So, yeah, aftercare is super important. This is... Oh my gosh, I really wanted to come back to talk about the small penis thing, but so we'll have to do another episode on that because I'm fascinated yeah. by that too. But um, <laughs> this has been fascinating because it's, you know, it, it's like you said, it's so huge, but we don't understand it so much or we just make a joke of it and it, that's it. And it's like, there's so many people listening who, like, you know, we want people to be living their best sexual lives and or to support their partners who might have it and they might not understand it. So that's fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. Where can people find you if they want to learn and more because there's always so much more when it comes to the world of kink yeah there definitely is um so i'm dominic clarity you can google me anywhere on the internet and all my stuff will come up i'm dominicclarity.com i am launching a new podcast actually just about this subject which is the psychology of kink um and so it's myself and other mental health practitioners and academicians and researchers in this space globally where we interview them and we go into each one in really great and excruciating detail. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> um, that sounds amazing. Cause yeah, like people want to know, but you want people to know, like I want that to be accessible and informed and not just like laughing at people and stuff. Like we want, it, want oh, yeah. it to be professional and awesome. So you sound like the perfect person for that. So when is that going to come out? Um, so we're recording our first episode on June 1st. So I would say probably <laughs> simply mid-July. <laughs> Depends on how long it takes my producer to edit it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. Um so but I'll people- post it on all my socials perfect yeah. yeah yeah and absolutely send me a link I'll share it on mine as well because I'm sure yeah. people would be super into that so this has been amazing thank you so much are you um are you open to new clients if people want to get in touch or I I am I'm very um selective about who I work with I only accept about um five percent of the folks who approach me I don't advertise and I don't solicit at all so it's people word of mouth is how um people hear about me and how they're referred to me and these days I pretty much only work with people with sexual dysfunction um, primarily or where they have, you know, sexual trauma or sexual dysfunction. Um, and then it's not just, you know, hey, I, I really enjoy this cake. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just, my time is so limited. I like to. Yeah, you're, um, you're only one person. Could be the most helpful <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Like that's, I'd, I'd imagine if you took everyone on, you'd be working morning, noon and night. Like that's, <laughs> there's a lot out yeah. there. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. Mind your energy. So yeah, people can get in touch and then you can see where you go and stuff. So this has been exactly. fascinating. Thank you so much for chatting to me. And, and I just, yeah, I, I know there's way more and I, I know we've just scratched the surface, but yeah, we'll come back. We'll do more and especially on all your other topics. So yeah, when whenever your first episode is out, we'll chat and we'll share more and hopefully people will come over and listen because that sounds fascinating. I'll be there anyway. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thanks again to all my listeners. Again, if you want to get in touch, the Instagram and Twitter is at Glow West Podcast. You can support the podcast via Patreon if you pop over to tortoiseshack.ie and you'll find loads of other podcasts there too. And um, yeah, happy foot exploration experiences if that's what you're into if you're if not there will be another topic next week that you can have a look at so thanks Emil and chat to you next week <laughs>